Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Is that better? And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I wish I had a cool voice like Pastor John Marks. That's my, I just love listening to his voice, man. Hey, would you join me in prayer right now, Lord? We thank you again for your word. Lord, it's just amazing. It's living, it's active, it speaks to us. And so, Lord, I pray right now, in these next few moments, that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would speak to us. Lord, give us eyes to see what you would reveal to us. God, I pray that we would be people who desire to live out your word, to walk in obedience to you, to your teachings, to your commands. And uh, Lord, let, let us receive this word today with eagerness, and an eagerness to obey, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let's go ahead and have a seat. Start off by just saying, hey, thanks so much for those of you who took time to fill out that online survey that we emailed out. Just love to hear from you, and it was good to just kind of get a, a snapshot of how people are doing, and nice to hear that, for the most part, people in our congregation feel like they're growing at least a little bit spiritually. They're doing good physically. There's still so many people that haven't been with us here physically. You're online with us. You've been with us online week after week after week after week. And man, we just thank you for, for joining us online and being there faithfully. And just really appreciate you doing that. And for so many of you, we miss seeing you. And I look forward to when that is able to happen. And so it's just a tough, challenging time that we still live in, especially as a pastor. Man, I'm just, my heart is just, it just struggles in the season because we long to build community and there's just so many people we don't get to see in person. And so it just was good to hear from you. And I just really appreciate the feedback and you taking time to do that. So thank you. And uh, we're going to dive into our message. The series that we're in is Kingdom First. And the goal is that you and I would live kingdom-first lives. And as I was thinking about that this week, I was thinking, if I'm really going to live a kingdom-first life, then it's going to change how I live. It's going to change my values, like we talked about a couple weeks ago. It's going to change what I'm devoted to, like we talked about last week. But then it's really going to change how I see and even perceive the world. And so my prayer for us today is that God would give us kingdom eyes. Kingdom eyes, to see the world how he wants us to see it. So as you live your life and you walk around in your life, 
maybe in the grocery store, at work, or just down the road, and you look at the world, what do you see? When you look at people, what do you see? Now, the truth is, in life, we see what we want to see, right? We see what we want to see. It's what psychologists call motivated perception, and motivated perception is exactly that. It's we see what we want to see. It's uh, closely connected to motivated reasoning where we develop an understanding. We perceive things based upon uh, our, our current beliefs and, and how we want to see things. And so there's motives behind all of that. And it can be skewed based upon our biases, our prejudices, and let's be real, our self-centered mentality. Motivated perception, motivated reasoning. It changes, it affects, it influences how you and I see the world and how we see life. I could illustrate it with this picture right here that illustrates a very famous play that took place in 2015 on a Monday night football game. Now, based upon your motivated perception is going to determine who you think actually caught this ball. It's famously known as the fail Mary. And uh, here's what took place. This is, this is how it went down. Monday night football game, 2015, the good guys, Seattle Seahawks playing the bad guys, Green Bay Packers. And the, the game came down to the last play of the game. Russell Wilson throws the ball to Hail Mary, hoping one of our receivers is going to catch it in the end zone, which it, we would win the game. You can tell I have no motivated perception or reasoning at all in this scenario. And uh, wouldn't you know, one of our players, Golden Tate, actually jumps up and grabs the ball, catches the ball, and so does one of the Green Bay Packers. And they both come down with the ball in the end zone, and they are wrestling with it. And one of the refs goes, touchdown. The other ref is like this. And you're like, what on earth is happening? Who caught the ball? And so it went into replay. And so we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And, uh, I, you know, it'd be fun to watch the whole video clip because when the ref finally comes out on the field and he declares, here is the, here's how we're going to call the play. <laughs> Pete Carroll, the coach of the Seahawks, is standing right there, like he's in the video. And they say, uh, after reviewing the play, the call stands. It's a touchdown for the Seahawks. And Seahawks win the game, and Pete Carroll's like, yeah, yeah. And all the Seahawks fans go wild because they called it accurately. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Motivated perception is something you see played out time and time again in sports, by the way. And by the way, as a side note, I am rooting for the Green Bay Packers today, okay? I, I hope they win today. So our motivated perception, motivated reasoning influences how we see the world and how we interpret the world. There's a very good verse in Genesis chapter 2. God says, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. He makes woman. And gives Eve to Adam. And uh, we're all thankful for that to this day, right? Because without women, where would we be? I mean, our homes would be a mess. They would not be clean or in order at all. We need women to make sure that happens, right? Now, based upon your motivated reasoning and perception, you interpreted that statement a certain way. You might have heard this. Women belong at home. Their job is to stay home and clean the house and keep it in order so when the men come home, it's all clean and good. Maybe you interpret it that way. Or maybe you interpret it as, yeah, you're right, like, because men are slobs for the most part, generally speaking, and man, this, our, our homes would be just in disarray without women. Yep. 
How did you interpret that? Obviously, I meant it the first way. Women belong at home. They should always be staying at home, working, cleaning, and taking care of the house, right? That's obviously what I meant, right? False. <laughs> False, right? <laughs> but it's all motivated perception because when I say statements like that, it could be taken one of two ways. And we thank God for women, don't we, man? We need women. I just need to make sure that I'm not in a hole here as I use this whole scenario. But it's motivated perception. How do you see the world as you live your life, you walk around the world, how do you see the world? What do you see when you look in people's eyes and you see their faces as you walk around? What do you see? We see a lot of masks nowadays. We don't see a lot of faces, right? But we can see people's eyes and that matters. When you look in people's eyes, what do you see? Do you see the world? Do you see people how God wants you to see them? And that's why I say, I think we need kingdom eyes and we need God's help for this for sure. So I think Romans 12, 2 is so important. Okay, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need God to help us think properly, to see the world and interpret the world properly. So we've got to allow him to change us, to transform us from the inside out, to renew our mind so that we, our mind and our thinking can actually line up with Scripture, can actually line up with how he wants us to think. We can actually be kingdom thinkers and kingdom seers in life. I love how the Passion Translation says that verse, by the way. Look at this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. But, the inward, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. And that's what we need. We need to let God do this. We can't allow the culture to shape our opinions and our ideals, how we approach life, how we handle life. It, we've got to be so careful. And so we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to continue to work in our life, to change us, to transform us, to, I love this, totally reform how we think. Yeah. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. This, by the way, helps us to discern what God wants us to do in life, how he wants us to live, decisions he wants us to make, because the rest of that verse goes on to say, this will empower you to discern God's will. If you and I allow God to transform us from the inside out to renew our mind, then we are able to discern God's will. As you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Very important verse. And God's will needs to be of the utmost importance to us. God, what's your will? How are you calling me to live? As a follower of you, as a disciple of yours, how are you calling me to live this life? What decisions are you asking me to, do you want me to make today? Even specific decisions, God, speak to me, help me in this. And as we allow him to transform us by the renewing of our mind, it gives us the ability to greater discern his will in our life. We need his help if we're going to see the world properly. I love this story in 2 Kings. Chapter uh, 6 is where it is. And Elisha is a wanted man. So this enemy army comes after Elisha. They want him dead. They find out what city he's in. They surround the city. Elisha and his servant wake up the next morning and they look out and the whole city is surrounded by this huge army. And the servant of Elisha looks at Elisha and says, we're goner, this is it, this is the end. It's nice knowing you, Elisha, because this is our last day on earth. It looks hopeless, but Elisha sees things differently. And I love his response to his servant. Second Kings chapter six, 
Verse 16, Elisha says, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And at that statement, you got to be certain that the servant is like, are you kidding me, Elisha? Like, look around. We are outnumbered here. You clearly have gone delusional because that is not the case. There's way more of them. And so verse 17, Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And I just love that, that story because here this guy gets a glimpse into what's really happening in the world. What he sees in his natural eyes is not good. It's overwhelming. It's stressful. It's like, it's all over. This is the end. But Elisha says, oh, no, it's not. We, we got more than they do. And he says, God, open his eyes. God, open his eyes that he may see what's really going on right now here in this scenario. And I pray, God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Lord, would you open our eyes that we may see how you want us to see. Give us kingdom eyes to see the world like you see the world. This is why it's so important that you and I do not walk by, by sight. We walk by faith. It's easy to walk by sight. It's easy to walk by what I see and, and get uh, overwhelmed and stressed and worried by what I see. But I don't walk according to what I see. I walk according to my faith. Walk by faith, not by sight. And that means I have kingdom eyes. It requires faith to have kingdom eyes. And so as you live this life, as you're walking through life, what do you see? How do you see the world? Do you see the world how God wants you to see it? And what I love about that passage that Pastor Jean-Marc just read to us is we get a glimpse into how Jesus sees the world. When he looks at people, you can see his heart. It's like he just outwardly shows his heart in this moment right here. He looks out over the crowd and he is moved with compassion. His heart is moved. And he's like, man, these people, they're, they're hurting, they're broken. They need a shepherd. They need a savior. He is so moved in this moment. And then he turns to his disciples and he gives them some very important instructions that continue to show what he is looking at and how he is interpreting the world through his eyes. And I want to read this from the message translation. Let's look at this through the message. This is what it says. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised and hurt lives. How many know Jesus is still doing that today? So thankful maybe you need a healing touch from God today, and we want to pray for you. At the end, we always take time to pray. Maybe you, you, you identify with the, with the bruised and, and hurt life, or you got a disease, a sickness. Let us pray for you, because Jesus still heals. Then it says, when he looked out over the crowds... His heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said to his disciples. How few workers on your knees and pray for harvest hands. I love how the message just rewords that. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. Maybe your translation says laborers or workers. But what's interesting here is, again, we see how Jesus sees. He looks at people, his heart breaks. Man, they need a savior. They need 
mean what I'm about to do for them? And he turns to his disciples and he says, here's what I'm asking to do. I want to give you a glimpse into how I see people and how I'm calling you to pray for people and for what's going on in the world right now. The harvest is plentiful. So what does Jesus say? He says, pray for not the harvest. Don't pray for people to get saved. Pray for workers. Pray for harvest hands. And that needs to be the focus of our prayers as well. Because Jesus would look out over our city and over our valley here and he'd say, hey guys, the harvest is ripe. It is ready. It is plentiful. Pray for workers. Because I see it. It's all over the place. But pray for workers so that, so that, we'll, that I'll send workers out into the harvest fields, into my fields, and bring the harvest in. So workers in God's kingdom are simply just people who go out and bring people into God's kingdom, right? That's simply what it is, is bringing people into God's kingdom. I go out and I proclaim my faith in Jesus, share, share Jesus, and lead people to Jesus. And that's seeing the harvest. That's being a worker in the harvest and seeing the harvest take place. And that's the calling for all of us to pray for workers to go into the harvest fields, into God's fields, and bring in the harvest. And as we pray for it, our heart to be one of those will grow and grow and grow and grow because it is a calling for us to respond to that prayer as well. I wonder how many of God's fields we walk by every single day and we don't notice because we don't have eyes to see. People who need Jesus, who are hurting, who are broken, who we could just step into and in that moment, God could use us as a worker in his kingdom to see harvest take place. How many times are we just live in life and we miss out on those moments because we're not looking, we don't see things properly. I pray God give us kingdom eyes to see people how you see them. And the more we work in the harvest fields, the more harvest we're gonna see. Why aren't we seeing harvest right now? Why, you know, Maybe the question is, should we be seeing more people come to faith in Christ? Should we be seeing a greater harvest? Is that really God's heart? Well, we read that God wants everyone to be saved. And Jesus looks out over people and says, hey, it's ready, it's ripe. We know his heart. We know how he sees it. He's waiting for us to respond. And I pray that we would be people who would be workers with kingdom eyes that would be part of the harvest not just hear about the harvest and not just watch other people experience the harvest, but that you and I would be workers in God's fields bringing in the harvest. Do you want that? Do you long for that? Why don't we see that taking place more and more in our country, uh, in the West? Let's be honest, the church in the West is on decline, unfortunately. And maybe as you think about that, you think, okay, there's, you know, God's obviously on the move. He's moving in many of our lives, and he's moving in our country. We thank him for that. But there doesn't seem to be like this incredible harvest taking place like we hear about outside of the West, around the world. Why is that? As you look around our country, you'll see, you know, some churches do grow. And some churches are really... Um, Maybe they're seeing the harvest, but when we pull up underneath the hood, what we see taking place in our country is just a lot of transfer growth, and God can move and lead through that. That's not always bad, but predominantly speaking, unfortunately, churches grow because other Christians join their church. 
And the church in America is uniquely designed to reach other Christians. And so maybe God is calling us to go into the harvest field and focus on those people that are ripe for him. And maybe it's gonna require us to have different eyes to see that, to even develop a heart to experience that and live that out. But it's gotta start in God just stirring something within us. Are you content with what you're seeing of God's kingdom right now? Are you content with what, even what we're experiencing in our church right now? Do you wanna see more? Do you long for more? Do you really wanna see the harvest? I wanna encourage you to join me in this prayer. I'm calling it the 938 prayer. Started this last couple of days. 9.38 a.m., 9.38 p.m., I pray Matthew 9.38, that verse we just looked at. Because Jesus told us to pray. Pray for workers for the harvest. And so would you join me in this? It's kind of like this fun little experiment, this journey we can go on as we maybe finish this 21-day prayer and fasting or just do this for the next couple of weeks. Try this with me. Set reminder at 9.38 a.m. and or p.m. And let's pray. Let's pray for God to send workers into the harvest. Here's a prayer that we could pray right here. Let me just even pray this right now. We prayed this in first service and prayed again. Lord of the harvest, please send out workers into your harvest fields to tell them how much you love them. Please show me what I can do as one of your workers. Amen. Would you join me in doing that? 9.38 a.m. and p.m. Let's do the 9.38 prayer. Let's get on our knees and let's pray. God, would you move? God, would you move? Because when I look around the the country that we live in and the city that we live in, we need God to move in greater ways. Wouldn't you agree? There's this interesting thing taking place in our country, really in the West generally. This is happening. It's called the rise of the nuns. And it's when people are asked, what's your religious preference? They select the box, none. No religious preference. And the number of nuns continues to grow with each passing year. The church on the West is not keeping up with the population growth. Yet, around the world, God is on the move and there's incredible revivals taking place. And so we can celebrate that, but also say, God, why not here? Why not us? I want to. And I pray that you join me in that prayer. In uh, Wind in the House of Islam by Dr. David Garrison, he says this, more Muslims have come to faith in Christ since the year 2000 than the 14 centuries before combined by a factor of 10. Think Christianity is dying? No, Christianity is shifting dramatically, says the Washington Post meaning it's shifted. Christianity is no longer centered in North America and Europe. Christianity is moving way more in other places around the world. To us, it feels like it's dying, but it's not really dying. It's growing. China is on course to become the world's most Christian nation within 15 years. NPR. That movement that started back when the bamboo curtain closed, still going. Still growing. Iran has the world's fastest growing church and it's chiefly run by women, Fox News. And once again, can we just say, just for the record, thank God for women, (laughs) right? We're about ready to watch a a video clip that's gonna give you a little insight of what God is doing in the Iranian church right now. Amy and I came across this documentary 
last Sunday. And we were watching it last Sunday, and it just wrecked us. It wrecked us in a good way and a bad way, like very, very much convicting, but also very much inspiring. Is it, I just love to hear about what God is doing around the world. And I love to hear stories like this. So before we watch this clip, let me just set up a couple of things. You're going to hear voices modulated because these Iranian Christians need to be protected. Their identity has to be protected. So it's not Darth Vader that's speaking. They're going to be in Indonesia for just a portion of the video. And it's not because they're now talking about Indonesia, but it's because these American Christians are meeting with the Iranian Christians in Indonesia because they have to meet outside of the country to even have these conversations about what God is doing in Iran. And so that's why it says Indonesia. And I just want to encourage you to ask this question yourself right now. Am I a convert to Jesus or a disciple of Jesus? Because there's a difference. Maybe you're on this journey of still considering Jesus. That is awesome. That's okay. We invite you to keep going on that journey. And maybe you're already a believer, but are you a, just a convert to Jesus or a disciple of Jesus? There's a difference, my friend. So watch this clip, and I pray God speaks some things to you through the Iranian church. When I ask most Westerners and I say, you know, what do you picture when you think Iranians? And the vast majority of people, you know, they say Ahmadinejad, the mullahs, the ayatollahs. They go, you know, I see all of these angry Muslims shaking their fists, chanting death to America, death to Israel and this sort of thing. And the reality is, is that in the country, it's nothing like that. Today, Iran is home to the fastest growing church in the world. It's almost entirely Muslim background. They have no denominational leanings or affiliation. They have no governmental recognition or legitimacy. They have no bank accounts. They have no 501c3s. They have no centralized leadership. They have no Bible schools or seminaries. They own no properties or church buildings, and they possess no assets. On top of that, while being Muslim background, they are, by and large, aggressively and passionately pro-Israel, that is, they love the Jewish people. And on top of that, it's predominantly led by women. What if I told you that Islam is dead? What if I told you that the mosques are empty inside of Iran? Iran that is known as the most radical nation in the world, exporting terrorism, exporting radical Islam. But when you go inside of the country, the mosques are empty. What if I told you that no one follows Islam inside of Iran? Would you believe me? But this is exactly what's happening inside of Iran. God is moving powerfully inside of Iran. The, the ruling class are the religious class, and many of them are religious because that's where the high-paying jobs are. But the majority of the people are just normal, ordinary people. They love God, but they realize, they recognize that Islam is the problem. What if I told you that an evangelist for Jesus came inside of Iran? What if I told you that the best evangelist for Jesus was Imam Khomeini, the Ayatollahs? You might be wondering, what do you mean? How is that possible? Because the Ayatollahs and Imam Khomeini brought the true face of Islam. And when people in Iran saw the true face of Islam, they found out that it was a lie, that it was evil, and that it was deception. Because after 40 years under Islamic law, a utopia, according to them, they've had 
the worst devastation known in the history in the 5,000 year history of Iran. مسیح با این فرمان تو متا گفت که به این امتا رو شاگرد بسازه و این باعث افتخار منه که دارم توی حکم مسیران You know the form of church planting in Iran is a very interesting topic because in Iran for many years and we've seen persecution and what persecution did was destroy the church that weren't disciples and destroyed the church that were about converts. The seismic shift that's happened in the Church of Iran is when all these church planters found out that converts run away from persecution, but disciples would die for the, die for the Lord of persecution. So the church planting method inside of Iran is we don't convert to disciple, we disciple to convert. So we take them on a journey from the beginning where God started to Christ, where God fully reveals himself. In Iran, we start the DMM and we start the DMM. We want to begin the DMM. We want to begin the DMM. Because the DMM is the DMM. به خاطر که خیلی مرموزانه و پشت پرده مردم به سمت نجات میاره همونجور که مسیح تو کلامش میگه که مثل مار خوشی ها و من مثل کبوتر بیازار باشه If we look in the life of Christ He started discipling people immediately Just as the Lord discipled people from the first interaction in the DMM process We disciple people from the first interaction around God So from the first interaction, they learn how to thank God, they learn how to pray to God, they learn how to minister to each other, they learn how to read the word and know about the authority of the word, they get messages in their vertical relationship with God, they get horizontal messages in their relationship with people, and they learn to evangelize all before they come to Christ. I think we use the term discipleship in a wonky and somewhat of a misguided way in the West. Meaning, when we say discipleship, typically what we mean in the Western context is I'm mentoring a believer to grow in Christ-likeness and maturity. But that's not necessarily what discipleship is. That's part of it for sure, but the thing is, discipleship starts day one. Meaning, when you meet an unbeliever who's never heard the name of Jesus before, and you start teaching him to obey the commands of Jesus, whether he knows Jesus' name or not, you are entering into discipleship with him right there in that moment. This is the pillars of DMM because in the word discipleship is discipline. So we're disciplining them or showing them how they must interact with God the same way Christ disciplined and corrected the disciples when they weren't interacting with God correctly. 
And this is why the gospel is spreading like a wildfire in Iran is because they believe discipleship starts the first second you come in contact with somebody. A disciple maker is someone who stewards the commands of Jesus and presses the teachings of Jesus as the central issue in every situation. This is why I think the church in Iran is so valuable for the church globally right now at this historic. And I think there's things we can learn from places like the church in Iran that are seeing renewal and revival in ways that haven't taken place in our country in years. It's been said that we don't see revival and renewal here because the truth is the church in America is content without it. We're content. We're fine. We're good. We got enough, Jesus. And it's as if we've vaccinated ourselves with Jesus in the American church so much so that we won't get all of Jesus. And I just love hearing from people who are believers in Iran who say, it is my privilege. Like Jesus called us to, to go and make disciples. It's my honor to obey him in that command. This is why these go groups are a big deal to us because we believe it's all of us. We all have that honor to go and make disciples. I just really want to encourage you to pray and think about doing a go group and getting involved in, in a go group with somebody of the same gender to begin to grow and allow God to expand your view of how you can minister to and serve and disciple people. When people become believers in a place like Iran, they know they could lose their life. It's illegal there. It is the fastest growing church in the world. And here in America, what's our excuse? There's a couple in that documentary that talk about husband and wife. They've come to faith in Jesus and they know every time they go out their door, they may never come back alive. And they have counted that cost. The wife could easily get raped, beaten, thrown in prison, even killed. And so the guy says, like, how do you respond? Like, how do you handle that? Like knowing that that could happen. What do you do with that? And she says, I just simply offer my body as a living sacrifice to God, if it happens. And they still considered it honor to obey Jesus to go and make disciples. They actually welcome the persecution because in their words, persecution keeps the church clean cleans the church. When you're experiencing persecution, they say, you are forced to lean on God. In a lot of ways, we've experienced that this last year. And not so much persecution, but just an intense, uncomfortable, challenging season in life over this last year. And it's forced many of us to kind of lean into God a little bit more. And I think God wants to use this last year, this interruption, to bring us to him fully and completely. I think that's when renewal starts, by the way, when we get to the end of ourselves. I get to the end of me and realize, I need you, God. One of the Iranian church leaders said this. He said, I would rather see millions of Iranians come to Jesus 
than have freedom and democracy. If freedom was such a great thing for the kingdom, then why is America and Europe in the state it is in now? And we, obviously, we appreciate our freedom and our democracy. We thank God for that. But they, there's, their, their whole thought is kingdom first. If we get that and the kingdom stops growing, I'd rather stay in a state of persecution where I could lose my life because I just want to see the kingdom grow. What if we had that mindset? What if we thought like that? What if we actually lived like that? Kingdom first, kingdom eyes. And one of the person's assessment from this documentary says this, the church in the West is living for how can we make this life the best possible life? The church in Iran is living for forget this life, I'm living for the next one. I have this eternal perspective. Hey guys, it's easy for us to get caught up in the here and now. And I get it. Life can be tough and overwhelming and stressful. And the enemy loves to use those things to make life all about us. But can I just say, even in your broken state, God can use you. Even in your imperfections, God's grace is on that to anoint you, to use you for his kingdom. And wherever you're at, God wants to give you kingdom eyes to be able to live a kingdom first life. Can you receive that? Let's not be people who are consumed with comfort, but we're consumed with kingdom. Consumed with kingdom first. Are you hearing my heart on this? I know this is heavy, but I think we need moments like this to really assess how am I living my life and where am I going with this thing? And am I, am I, as I read this word, am I really living it out? Because in our Churches, we've got a lot of information, but maybe not enough transformation that's caused me to really live this word out and obey it. Do you know that these places like in Iran, they'll read the same chapter over and over again with the same people until everyone's obeying it. Then they move on. If I preach this same sermon for even two weeks in a row, some of you would be upset. What if I went for five weeks, same message again, because we're still not getting it? Because the goal isn't to agree or believe it. The goal is to obey and live it. And that's the goal, guys, is that we would just live this thing out. And so I got two, two encouragements for you this morning, just two next steps. As we go from here, here's just a couple things I want you to pray about and think about. Number one would be, starting a, a go group, getting involved in a go group and allow the word of God to transform how you see the world. That'd be number one. Number two would be to take your prayer life to the next level. Take your prayer life to the next level. Here's what I know is that revival and renewal begin, continue and end all based upon prayer. So wherever you're at in your prayer life, that's fine. Just take it to the next level. You don't have to sit, just start doing five-hour-a-day prayer sessions. If you do, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that, right? But wherever you're at, take it to the next level. Maybe join me in this 938 prayer thing. Join us on Sunday mornings right here, 8.15, 8.30. We're praying. I had someone text me who they're still doing online church, and they said, hey, we were praying with you from 8.15 to 8.30. Just so you know, awesome, thank you. We'll take that too. Right here, 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, there's, we have a prayer meeting. Love for you to come and join us. We're in this prayer and fasting season. 
Maybe you want to keep going past 21 days, or maybe you just want to start it right now. Wherever you're at, take your prayer life to the next level, and let's begin to pray for God to move and do something new in our lives. Here's the deal, guys. If how we've been doing church and how you and I have been living out this discipleship of Jesus thing in our country was working, we'd be seeing the same things here as we're seeing in Iran, but we're not. Therefore, we gotta assess ourselves and say, maybe we're not fully living out how God wants us to live. And that's not for us just to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's for us to say, God, use me. I wanna be one of your workers in the harvest. I don't wanna just waste my life. I wanna make a difference in my life. Would you close your eyes right now and let's just pause right here and let's just pray and think and listen and ask God, God, how you want me to respond in light of this here this morning? Starting to go group taking my prayer life to the next level. Just, just begin to listen. What would God speak to you in this? to invite you to stand to your feet right now and we're gonna bring our time together to a close here. We're gonna worship. We're gonna lift up the name, the mighty name of Jesus who is moving all around the world. Friends, let's celebrate that and let's just pray, God, do it here too. God, pick me, use me. Use me. And maybe you're here this morning and you need prayer for something, you need encouragement, we would love to take a moment and pray with you. We'll have people up here in the front that would love to do so anytime during this song. Feel free to come on up. We'll pray for you. Let's take some time, guys. Let's just worship Jesus before we go. Let's pray. You don't even have to sing. You can just pray. You can respond to Jesus how you need to respond in these next few moments. And so let's look to him. And uh, let me just pray right now as we go into this song. Lord, we give these last few moments to you and invite your spirit to continue to move and ask you again, Lord, for you to open our eyes, spirit to reveal to us what you want us to see. Open our ears that we would hear what you have for us here today. Holy Spirit, move. We give you permission to move, to work, to act, 
to fall in this place, to fall in our lives, to fall uh, on the life, the heart of every person that is with us right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you, Spirit, would you move? We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.